Welcome to Nationwide Market Insights for March 14, 2023. Our outlook on inflation and high food prices. Inflation remains the hot topic as price pressures for consumers remain sticky in many categories, especially food prices. What did we learn from today's CPI report? Did price trends remain hot? Or are costs for services and food finally cooling down? And how could all of this impact the upcoming Fed announcement next week? Well, to talk through these important factors, we have senior economist Ben Ayers and economist Daniel Vilhaber with a reaction to today's CPI report from February. Okay, Ben, let's start with you. Can you walk us through the key updates from the just released CPI report? Did the trends for hotter inflation from January continue into February? Sure. Thanks, Brian. You know, at the high level, we we saw a little bit of cooling in the inflation numbers. The the consumer price index rose 0.4%. That's a little bit of a downtrend from what we saw in January. But the core CPI rose 0.5%, which was actually an acceleration from what we saw in January. So in aggregate, it was really about at the same level and still not seeing the cooling of overall inflationary pressures that we'd like to see. That's not much disinflation and still seeing pretty sizable inflation pressures across many of the key categories that we would track from a price perspective. You know, shelter costs led the way in February. The BLS noted that 70% of the increase in the headline CPI came from the shelter part. And so we're continuing to see a lot of pressure on the housing and on the services side. And that divergence between the, the goods and the service costs, we're continuing to see that expand out. You know, core goods prices were up only 1% on a year-over-year basis in February. You, know, you saw within that, you saw used car prices continue to decline. You saw cooler prices for apparel, cooler prices for new vehicles. So continuing to see that because of healing supply chains and healing conditions broadly on the supply sides of the economy, that we are seeing some areas of cooling prices But core services still continue to rise and actually climbed more in February than it did in January, as we're still seeing a lot of upward pressure from the very tight labor market. These strong wage gains and the continued pressure we're seeing on many services industries, all those costs are being passed along to consumers. And as a result, we're seeing the core services continue to accelerate, now up 7.3% on a year-over-year basis. Shelter costs within that were up more than 8%. And yet again, that's a big, large component for both the core CPI and the overall CPI. And then just stepping back to the overall numbers, you see the food costs still up more than 10% on a year-over-year basis. So many of these key spending categories for most consumers and most households continue to see a lot of inflationary pressure. On the good side, we did see that the year-over-year movement in the CPI did slow to 6%. That's the slowest annualized pace since September of 2021. Uh, And the core CPI was still at 5.5%, but that's been a little bit lower than it's been in recent months. So if you want to pick some areas where you see some good news, it's the overall numbers are slowing. And certainly that good side of of the cost pressures has eased. Um, But the services that continues to accelerate, and that's the biggest concern because that tends to be sticky and might keep these inflation readings higher over the next 3, 6, 12 months than we'd like to see and continue to see continued pressure across the economy. Well, thanks, Ben. You mentioned that food prices continue to run high. In this podcast, we want to take a deeper dive into food inflation. So, Daniel, with that in mind, 
what food categories are driving up the grocery bills the most for our listeners? And what's causing these sharp price increases? Well, the low-hanging fruit here is eggs. The price of eggs has soared over the past year because of the bird flu, which has just ravaged hen houses. Since early 2022, over 49 million birds have either died from the virus or been cold due to exposure to it. And most of those have been egg-laying hens. The good news is that the virus outbreaks have slowed significantly, and wholesale egg prices have dropped more than 50% since December. If the virus remains relatively dormant, we'd expect to see retail egg prices follow wholesale prices, but there's a possibility for a surge in the spring when wild birds migrate across the U.S. Outside of eggs, we're seeing the strongest growth in products that use wheat and other grains where Russia and or Ukraine account for a significant portion of global exports. So, for example, bakery products, breakfast cereals, and flour are all seeing inflation close to or even above 15%. We're also seeing similar effects in ice cream, which is commonly sweetened with corn syrup and other dairy products, in part because corn makes up a large share of cow feed. So, obviously, food inflation is multifactorial. You have high, high labor costs, high costs for fertilizer, which are driving up input costs for, for food production. And food prices were already on the rise before the Ukraine-Russia conflict started, but the war significantly boosted and prolonged inflationary pressures for food. That's some great background there on the agricultural space and what's influencing the prices for, for food. Now, shifting to the forward outlook, do we have a good picture on where food prices will go from here? And is there any positive news on the grocery costs that we're going to see? So I love the optimism of this question because, you know, things are bad now. Maybe we have some good news on the horizon. So for that, I'll start by reiterating that egg prices could come down significantly if bird flu outbreaks continue to be held at bay. We're actually already starting to see retail prices decline some, and we expect that to continue so long as the spring migration doesn't bring more outbreaks because we're still far above the long-run average for egg prices. There's still plenty of room for egg prices to come down. Now for some bad news. The latest World Agriculture Supply and Demand Estimates, the WASDE, released by the USDA, suggests lower grain prices are not expected before the end of the growing year, so through July. Of course, this could change if something significant changes in Ukraine and supply increases quickly thereafter. There is expected to be some added production for wheat and corn in the next growing season, which starts August 1st, in response to high crop prices. So we could see those prices come down sometime next year. As of right now, though, those forecasted prices are still pretty high. Finally, red meat is one of the few food categories where we've seen slower negative price growth recently, negative in the case of beef. Unfortunately, longstanding droughts have left grazing areas smaller and in worse condition, resulting in cattle ranchers having to cull their herds. And this is expected to cause higher beef prices this year, with some experts suggesting we could see record retail prices by the end of the year. Well, hopefully we'll see some further relief on food costs soon, especially with eggs, you know, with Easter coming up. I know we're all going to be decorating our Easter eggs as long as we can afford them. So, Ben, I want to bring you back into this conversation now. We've seen some modest cooling off of inflation, but not as fast as the Fed would like to see. How effective do you think the Fed's tightening cycle has been so far? And what could that mean for policy decisions going forward? Yeah, great question. You know, when... You know, it continues to be a pretty difficult inflationary environment for the Fed. You know, they want to see things come back to earth much more quickly than we've seen. And, you know, many of the measures we've heard talked about by the Fed, you're thinking about the core measures or thinking about what we might call the super core, which is core services less 
housing, that continues to be very elevated. It was still at 6.1% in February. It's only a little bit down from the peak of 6.4 just a few months ago. So maybe we're leveling off, but we're certainly not seeing the cooling that you might expect given the very sharp rate increases that we've seen over the past year. You know, looking back over the pandemic, much of the really the, the formation of the current inflation surge started with factors that were beyond the Fed's control. If you think about supply chain impacts from COVID, commodity prices, and the impact, obviously, of geopolitics, as Daniel highlighted, the war in Russia and Ukraine there, you know, having a big impact on the price environment. But ironically, these are the areas that are cooling the most right now, while the areas where the Fed would arguably have more influence, thinking on this, the labor market and on housing, continue to drive much of the inflationary pressure. You know, when you look at that more deeply, importantly, Fed policy acts with a significant lag. Uh, and so much of the deflationary impacts that we might expect from the Fed going from basically zero on an interest rate policy up to over 4% at the end of 2022 – we're only starting to see the beginnings of those impacts right now. And we've obviously seen, when you look at the housing market numbers, a big plunge in activity over the past year, expecting that to start to flow into the inflation reading soon. You know, we've seen house prices have come down. Other data has shown there's been reduced rental costs recently. Um, so hopefully we'll start to see those numbers reflected in the consumer price index You know, in the next three to six months and help to ease some of the pressure on that side of things. Um, but much of the focus continues to be on the labor market. And we continue to talk about the resiliency of labor market and the resiliency of labor demand. And while great for consumers and great for workers because it's leading to strong wage gains and great employment opportunities, it's not as great for the inflationary environment. Until we see more signs of cooling within the labor market, we're probably going to continue to talk about sticky inflation, particularly on the services side of things. And so because of this, we still expect the Fed to hike a little bit more from here. You know, there's a lot of conversation. Are we getting near the terminal rate for the federal funds rate? Are we getting up to those higher levels? How much more is the Fed going to hike, especially in light of some of the very recent news about what's happening in the banking sector? But if you just look at the inflation environment, that would tell us there's still more hikes to be coming. And because of the, the new volatility caused by this, We'll see what actually happens with the Fed next week. We'll see what they do in the next couple of months. But our estimation is when you look a couple of months out from now, we're going to see a few more hikes, higher rates across the board until they really start to see the inflation numbers start to roll over and see less pressure on the cost environment across the economy. Well, this has been a great focus on inflation. I know that our listeners are wondering what our outlook is for inflation over the rest of this year and into 2024. So, Ben, Tell us more about that if you can. And also, what are the swing factors that could move us off of our baseline forecast? Yeah, sure. You know, you know we've talked about at the beginning that divergence between goods cost and service costs. And I think we're going to see further breaking apart of those trends over the next six months or so. I think we'll see goods costs will continue to fade and might actually see some deflationary pressure, just as we've already seen from used cars and trucks across much of the goods space. And again, that should help to cool the overall inflation readings as we look over the rest of the year. But the problem are the service costs and the housing costs until we eventually see some of those roll over we're still expecting inflation readings to come in, you know, above average for several more months, at least into the middle start of the part of the year, maybe the second half of the year. 
we see a little bit more downward pressure. Maybe we layer in um, some, some certainly some negative economic readings from across the economy. Maybe we see a recession in the second half of the year that helps to cool those inflationary readings. Um, but by our recent estimates, we think by the end of the year, the CPI should still be up around 4%. Um, the cooling from the 6% that we're at right now, um, but not quite down to the 2 to 2.5% two range that we would like it to be. And really, that's what the long-term average is about, that 2%. The Fed has said they're willing to have inflation run more like 2 to 2.5%, two so maybe a little bit hotter. But by the end of the year, we're still expecting it's going to be you know, sizably above trend. Uh, and that continues to put a lot of pressure on the Fed to stick to their guns and keep these interest rates higher and actively start to cool the economy across the board. Um, as far as swing factors, obviously commodity prices and oil prices, those are always something that could swing us both upward and downward from an inflationary perspective. You know, still looking at the conflict in, in Eastern Europe, still looking at what happens from a production standpoint for oil, both here and with OPEC abroad. Uh, and then I mentioned earlier, this housing costs. Uh, you know, we, we've seen the actual housing numbers have really rolled over when you look at a sales perspective and certainly some of the prices side, but we haven't seen that flow through into much of our inflationary readings. So as much as that does impact inflation over the rest of the year, hopefully it's in the downward trajectory and hopefully it's helping to offset higher service costs and hopefully adding to cooling goods costs to actively cool the overall inflationary readings. But we're just going to have to keep a close eye on that as we look over the rest of the year. You know, ultimately, as we look into 2024, even as we look ahead for multiple months here, we're still expecting to see more relief and expecting that as the labor market cools, particularly if we layer that in with an economic downturn, should be back to more normal inflationary readings over the course of 2024. But even then, it still might be second half of 2024 or even towards the end of the year before really starting to talk about inflation getting back to normal trends, back to where we'd like it to see. So still kind of a long path to go from where we are right now. Well, let's go ahead and wrap it up right there. Thanks again, Ben and Daniel, for a great discussion and for sharing with us the latest trends for inflation. Join us next time as we provide our outlook on the upcoming FOMC meeting, which is scheduled for next week. And later this month, we're going to take a close look at the economies of other parts of the world, specifically China and Europe. Make sure you hit that subscribe button so you can be notified as soon as each new episode is released. Until next time, for Nationwide Market Insights, this is Brian Kirk. The information provided by Nationwide Economics is general in nature and not intended as investment or economic advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any security or adopt any investment strategy. Additionally, it does not take into account any specific investment objectives, tax, or financial condition or particular needs of any specific person. The economic and market forecasts reflect our opinion as of the date of this report and are subject to change without notice. These forecasts show a broad range of possible outcomes. Because they are subject to high levels of uncertainty, they will not reflect actual performance. We obtain certain information from sources deemed reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or fairness. Nationwide and the Nationwide N and Eagle are service marks of the Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company. Copyright 2023 nationwide.